At Henson, we're looking forward to the holidays, and that means more time in the kitchen. Now, imagine your trusty kitchen knife had a wobbly handle. You'd be nervous. Well, the same is true in shaving. Most razors on the market today don't support the blades well enough, allowing them to flex and bend. This is a source of razor burn. At Henson, we used our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to solve this problem, supporting the blade so you can use it confidently. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. Welcome, folks, to another episode of the Custard TV podcast. It is me again, Matt, here on another sunny Sunday afternoon as we record this. <laughs> I'll go as far as saying it's definitely Sunday afternoon. I agree with that. Okay. And the, the voice you heard there, he's back once again uh, with the ill behaviour. I was going to that line as well. I was going to go with the ill behaviour. You beat me to it. Yes. Hello. Uh, podcast. <laughs> We've both dated ourselves there. Well, in, I, in I, I, I just recently watched the excellent Top of the Pops 1999 um, series oh, yeah. episode from last night. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if that was on there, but certainly there was a lot of bangers. Uh, Turn around. Turn around. <laughs> Britney Spears, which one lady said is a banger. And I was really thinking that's inappropriate, uh, considering <laughs> how young poor Britney was in those days. But uh, passing no judgment. Again, back once again for his second stint on the podcast. Uh, Suki is with us. How are you, Suki? I'm absolutely great. I've been out for a two-hour walk, and you said it was lovely sunny weather. It was not. It was absolutely peeing it uh, down. I'm impressed that you went for a two-hour walk, though. That That is to be applauded. <laughs> My body clock is on night shift hours. So I woke up really early this morning, and so I went for a two-hour walk because I didn't want to disturb anybody in the house when I decided to start watching some of these shows that we're going to start reviewing. So I went for a two-hour. Uh, uh, it was a bad idea. I was absolutely sucked. I should have just taken some shampoo with me. I cannot remember the last time I went for a two-hour walk. I really can't. I'm being honest. I, I enjoy a good walk. I, go, I try and go for a walk every day after work. Mm. Uh, to clear my head but two hours that's impressive we may be turning into a rambling well we certainly do a lot of rambling here anyway (laughs) not that sort of rambling (laughs) Um, but today we will be talking about four um shows most of them sort of genre shows and this is why i've asked the the two gentlemen on on with Mm. me today we've got uh the return of stranger things we have got obi-wan kenobi on uh, disney plus uh, we have got Pistol, which is the retelling of the formation of the Sex Pistols. Uh, that is on Disney Plus as well. And we have got the Midwich Cuckoos, which is a Monday adaptation of uh, that novel. And that is on Sky Max. As Gary's on here, we thought a bit of sort of old school Custard TV podcast. And we do some oh, news, Gary. I, I, I'll get the Google Doc up. Hold on. Uh, let me see this. <laughs> This could be a podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. This is the Custard TV Podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. The big news this week is that the um, BBC Director General Tim Davey has announced the plan to deliver 
a digital first BBC, which sounds very much like something out of W1A. The big news coming out of this essentially is that there are plans to uh, stop broadcasting small linear channels, as they call them, which uh, is CBBC and BBC4. It certainly says such as those two channels. They're going to amalgamate their two news channels to one 24-hour uh, TV news channel. Have they, they got two? Yeah. What's the other one then? They've got well, the, they've got BBC World Service, hasn't BBC oh, World okay. News? They've got a BBC oh, World I News see. channel. I didn't know that. And News Twenty Four, so it's just going to be called um, BBC News right. now. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> the tr- you know, it's it's a thing to get more eyes on the iPlayer at the end of the day. So ambition to reach seventy five percent of BBC viewers through iPlayer. They are going to try and request that Ofcom remove uh, regulatory restrictions on iPlayer to expand box sets and archive content. So essentially, you know, they are trying to be competitive. They're trying to cut costs is the other thing here. Unfortunately, it's going to result in quite a few job losses as well. So, I mean, Gary, you know, you big proponent of BBC4 back in the day, you know, the Nordic Noirs we were briefly discussing before we came on air. And, and I mean, again, we, we did a big podcast when BBC Three went online and this was only back on the telly well, again. To me, I don't really understand this because if they're going to move BBC Three from online back to television, mm. I don't quite understand the idea of putting BBC Four back online. If anything, the young person demographic mm. that you're trying to reach on BBC Three, you know, they would find it online and watch it. You know, my nephew is coming up into his sort of late uh, teenagers. He doesn't watch any telly, he watches it all on YouTube and on iPlayer. I know BBC4 haven't been showing any new content for some time. I'm, I'm a bit surprised by CBBC, though. No. Now now I'm not sure where that age group... I got. I mean, like, you don't get any children's programmes on normal television. Maybe we'll see a return of that? The, the CBBC I can understand altogether because I've got nephews and nieces. They don't watch yeah. CBBC. They watch online, they watch iPlayer, yeah. they watch the YouTube. So I can see them putting CBBC onto uh, an online platform. <coughs> That's the ideal place for CBBC, I think, myself, because kids will want to watch what they want to watch at whatever time they want to watch it. They don't yeah. want to wait till at four o'clock and say Dennis and Menis or whatever they want, want to watch Tracy True. Beaker coming on. They will want to watch what yeah. they want to watch. They'll put their stuff on iPlayer. Because they're not moving CBBS, which is for the young young kids. They're not it's CBBC. I, I think, isn't I think like there would be a, there would be a parents' writing uh, phenomenon if they move CBBS. Because I mean that's that's how most parents get their three year olds to sleep and to rest, isn't it? You know, by uh, putting on in the night garden. My uh, <laughs> friends have got a um, she's five at the moment, and she won't go to bed until she sees the. CBBC switch off thing at seven o'clock right. now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I think it's a shame because, the, uh, as you mentioned, that a lot of stuff started on BBC Four. A lot of the, you know, only Connect started there. Um, various other comedies. I think the Detectorist started on BBC Four yeah. as well. If yeah, I'm not yeah, right. yeah. And BBC Four was kind of set up as kind of like the intellectuals part of it, which used to be the old BBC Two remit. You know, BBC One was the entertainment channel. BBC Two was more your factual. And, you know, kind of like thinking channel. And BBC4 took over that mantle. And I know there's a lot of people, I mean, still the reruns of Top of the Pops on a Saturday night yeah. or a Friday night. Friday night. Yeah, get a lot of tweets, get a lot of um, mm. online. So maybe that audience will follow online. I don't know. I, I think it's a shame. 
I mean, I think the two things BBC Four that people will miss are the, as you say, the Friday night music nights that they do where they show the two uh, episodes of Top of the Pops from, they're just starting 93 now, they've just finished 92. The uh, the Nordi Noirs as well on the Saturday night, which are still yeah. going on, they're still acquisitions and i can see both of those easily being folded onto bbc2 the last series of the bridge for example was on bbc2 if you remember gary so yes that's right and again i could see that being moved as you say it's a lot more archive things now on on bbc4 i can't remember the last series i watched on bbc4 if i'm honest a a while ago they they stopped doing original series i believe so yeah that's the big news for the week. Now, uh, before we go into our reviews, uh, this is the part where we do some plugs. So, Suki, all your podcasts that you do, uh, tell people about those. I'll do two podcasts. Uh, the first one is Trek This Out podcast, which is a Star Trek podcast, which I present with Lindsay and Andrea. And we just review the latest episodes of Star Trek that's been shown. And then uh, I've got an Around the Console podcast, which is a Doctor Who podcast. And we, again, it's just reviewing old Doctor Who uh, stories. And uh, we have a good time on Bow for Thousand. It's a bit sweary on the around the console one. Given the last episodes of uh, Doctor Who that I watched, I'm not surprised. You need to swear or drink to get through those episodes. No, we enjoyed. <laughs> really? We enjoyed. I found the Flux episodes hard going. Listen to our podcasts. Okay. Gary, yeah. listen to the ones that we just concentrated on Flux and see how much enjoyment that we had on it and Fair see enough. how if you <coughs> agree with us or not. But there around the cocktail, check that one out. There's there's the plug dump. There you are. Yeah, uh, sideman underscore one five one. Just go there and you see it on my profile. And, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Gary Show. I mostly uh, tweet about football, which I'm now not going to be able to do for about a couple of months. So I might go back to tweeting about television. You never know. You like. Long term fans of the podcast, have we been going through the hard drive? What have we oh, been watching? Yeah. Um, yeah um, <laughs> Well, in order to get up to date for this show, I recently finished The Book of Boba Fett on uh, Disney+. Plus. Okay. I'm about to start Series 3 of The Sopranos. Okay. Because uh, I kept that, I done that. Um, and then the next drama that I'm going to hit is Close to Me, uh, which was on a long time ago on Channel 4, because I save all these mm. things up that you talk about on the podcast, and I go, right, I'll get... So that tells you where I'm up to. I'm up That's to the woman who fell down the stairs with Christopher Eccleston, isn't it? That's it, yes. Chris, yeah. yes. And then um, shortly after that, I'll be moving on to the tourist. So Luke is, oh, sighing, at yeah, Luke is sighing at this point of like, you haven't seen the tourist. And he'll be saying, why is he watching close to me? That was rubbish. Yeah, I know. but I'll find that out. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. You're listening to the Custard TV Podcast. The official podcast of thecustardtv.com. The big one this week, obviously, is uh, Stranger Things. We are now on to season four. And Suki, what's your relationship with Stranger Things? Is this, Did you watch it from the get-go? or? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've watched it ever since it first went up on Netflix. I mean, this last series is, what, three-year gap now? And yeah. so it was very difficult remembering what had happened in season three and mm. gary sent a, a recap video so i caught up on that luckily netflix also put something on at the beginning mm. and so you caught up with what was going on i mean i quite like a weekly format in which they release an episode so you can digest it listen to all the fans who are also watching this at the same speed as you're watching it so you know what's going on whereas everybody's watched it within a week 
mm-hmm. and they forgot it's three or four weeks later. Yeah. But yeah, well, in a day I've even, been... Sucky, you say a week, yeah. a day, some people have yeah. already done it. Oh, they? I know. I've That's already seen people who've seen all six. Seven, isn't it? Seven is and then seven? two later. I think one of the big things was the length of these episodes people were talking about. You know, they're all well over yeah. an hour. I think the last episode is going to be two and a half hours long. Yeah. Well, the <laughs> amount of money that they pay out for each episode, I'm not surprised. So, I mean, you know, I want my money's worth. Which will be, I believe, the 1st of July, those last two episodes are coming out. But we will be concentrating primarily on the first episode. I mean, how many have you guys watched already? I've done three. I stopped at one purely because yeah. of the other things that we needed to watch, but I want to yeah. go back and watch the next ones, definitely. I'll probably finish it by the bank holiday. I've stopped at one, but I'll end up binging all six in the next couple mm. of days, anyway. Just something about it, and I, you know, I, I was going to be like you guys and um, try and just watch the one, but it's just got that quality about it, I think, and I've watched two and three this morning. I don't know what it is about Stranger Things, but it's just so addictive, and I'm not it- quite sure... It, it, I think the writing and particularly the way they edit the programme, they always end episode one on a good cliffhanger that mm-hmm. brings you back. And I think they know that once you've watched episode one, once you've hit continue for episode two, they've got you. Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. They are the crack cocaine of television. <laughs> <laughs> so we are six months after the events of season three. Uh, we are in uh, 1986 now. The Byers family have moved to California uh, with Eleven. We find Eleven is struggling to fit in in a new high school. Uh, she's still in a relationship with Mike and telling him, like, everything's fine. I've got all these new friends. But really, you know, she's being picked on. In Hawkins, Indiana, we've got Mike and Dustin. They've joined a new Dungeons and Dragons society run by um, an eccentric school dropout. You know, he's been there several times, repeated his senior year. He's called Eddie Munson. Mike and Dustin have severed ties with Lucas. He's still friends with them, but he's now in the basketball team. So he doesn't want his new friends to sort of know that he's sort of still playing Dungeons and Dragons. He's also split up with uh, Max, who is now seeing the school counsellor. She's struggling with seeing her, I believe it was her stepbrother, Billy, who died. Yeah, B- Billy was killed in the, uh, yeah. the in the, the end scenes in series. It was three. her stepbrother rather than a half-brother, though, wasn't it? That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. She's almost like a, a bit of a loner now. As ever in Hawkins, mysterious, deadly monster isn't too far away. And this time, unfortunately, it's a cheerleader by the name of Chrissy who is being stalked by this monster. She's being haunted by visions of her family. Uh, she, at the end of the episode, wants to sort of block out these visions, so goes to buy uh, drugs from Eddie. While she's there, she gets possessed by this monster again and essentially sort of lifted up in the air and kills while she's in, in stasis almost. And Suki, so, okay, I'll go to you first. Did you enjoy this episode? What what were your sort of highlights, takeaways, that sort of thing? It's mainly the storyline itself, the way it was paced, all these kids now living sort of separate lives, but they're trying to still be a unit of sorts. I mean, Lucas, I think he's still playing D&D with them, but I mm. think he just wants to stop on that one weekend when he's got to play the championship yeah. game. All this thing that's happening with Eleven, she's trying to put up a front with uh, Mike saying, look, it's all wonderful here in California. It's great. It's fantastic. But then you actually see what's actually happening to her, where she's being bullied. She's an outsider. She's not fitting in. It's just built everything up. And then we get the the bit right at the end with Chrissy being mangled on the ceiling, basically. It made your skin crawl at the same time. But at the same time, it just 
absolutely wonderful by the Duffer Brothers. There's a lot of positive things from him. Eddie Eddie Munson, you said the uh, the leader mm. of the help. He looks like a great addition to the uh, mm. the, uh, the the show. Eric uh, is now a fully fledged member of the cast proper, mm. uh, and then she's helping out. Uh, Luke's his sister, Erica. Yeah, isn't Luke. It? The storyline with Max, I think she's suffering with PTSD on yeah. a certain degree because she's seen her brother killed, stepbrother killed, and she can't talk about it because who's going to believe her, really, that he was monsters? I mean, they've changed the whole Battle of Starcourt more into uh, it was a fire. That's why all these people have been killed. But they can't go around saying it was all monsters. It was monsters, you know, that killed everything. They can't, nobody's going to believe it. And she can't talk about it to her counsellor because the counsellor's going to... To think there's something going on there. The big sort of reveal at the end of season three was that Hopper was still alive and it's now in like a Russian gulag, I think. Yeah. Is the best way to describe it. Joyce is now selling uh, Encyclopedia Britannica's <laughs> on the phone. <laughs> and she gets a Russian doll and, you know, there's a message in it. Do, do we find that out in episode one? There? Yes, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's a message that's got newspaper yeah. clippings or something. Yeah. It um, says... Hop is alive, and then right underneath, because I, I paused it, it says, the looks fold to date. Winona Ryder, her facial expressions are just brilliant every time someone says something. I, I mean, I, I agree. I absolutely love this. Um, I mean, to me, this is the best version of a teen horror drama since Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, and what's lovely is that you've got all these different characters now, and as you say, some in different places. I love the fact that now Eleven has now got a different name. She's now going by the name Jane. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. Discover a healthier, happier you with Veganuary 2024. Your health isn't just small potatoes, it's a big deal. So this January, you are invited to make a change that matters by trying Veganuary's 31-Day Vegan Challenge. Switching to a plant-based diet reduces your carbon footprint and makes a positive impact for animals. Every meal is a vote for the kind of world you want to create. Ready to make a change? Sign up today at Veganuary.com. Vote for veggies. Mm. California, you know, in, in trying to fit in with normal life. I think um, was that established yeah. prior to this? Yeah, that was yeah, that was uh, I think the child's name when she was taken by Doctor Bremer. Mm. But she's now using it more and more. Yeah, she's going by Jane Hopper now. That's it. Um, I, I think uh, the one thing, obviously, that they're highlighting very much is that she's lost her abilities. That happened at the end of series three. But mm. you know, when she gets bullied by the older kids in the school, and she tries to kind of use her powers that aren't there, she kind of does mm. this kind of like moment. And, and the only person that I felt a little bit sorry for was Will, um, mm. because out of the original four, he seems like the kind of one that stuck out there. When I mean, he's obviously gone with his mum and Elle and, and Jonathan, his older brother, but, but he's not doing anything, whereas yeah. he was very much part of that four they, guys. I, um, I don't think they quite know how to write Will, because Will obviously was the one who went missing in the first season and yeah. then he was possessed in the second season so they don't quite know how to write him when he is an actual person trying yeah. to interact 
with other people. That's why, you know, there's the scene where the girl trying to play footsie with him in the class yeah. and he, just, yeah. he doesn't know how to react to it. But, I love the I love the D and D stuff, um, and I think they've been very clever, the writers, because eighty six is around the time when D and D exploded, and and you've got particularly the parents getting very worried about demon possession and that kind of thing. So I'm hoping that in later episodes we'll get parents saying D and D has caused all of this. The D and D scenes, the actual throwing of the dice, were interspersed with mm. mm. with the uh, the basketball scenes. Yeah, made it so much more exciting. To so both, both with were an a- absolute banger of uh, "Play with Me" by Extreme as well. I think oh, that's an yeah. amazing song. Yeah, again, I mean, one of the, one, that's been one of the things that uh, Stranger Things has done really well. The cultural mm. references of the eighties, the movie tie-ins, the music I, has all been spot on. Um, I mean, the nostalgia for me, Gary, as you'll know, is uh, Stephen Robin working in a video shop now. Which... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fantastic. Which I used to do back in the day. You, that relationship, it, it's highlighted in this first episode between Steve and Robin. In, in the, the, the car scene that they have together, mm. they're driving along and they yeah. can discuss their lives so openly. Normally, there's always some reticence about discussing too much. But these pair, they're so open with each other, they can discuss anything. Especially when he goes, she pulls it at a certain amount, certain time on whatever film he was. And he was all about boobies. You like yeah. boobies. I like Last time Ridgemont High, Ridgemont High it was. Two last things. Number one, I love the Game of Thrones death. The Oberon Martell, fingers in the eyes, death at the end. Uh, so for you Game of Thrones fans out there, Matt, the fact that her eyeballs popped out. Mm. Um, I thought that was uh, absolutely uh, great. And I, I do think that whole scene was very Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm not sure when that came out. So the 80s. 84. So again, I think yeah, yeah they're, they're, you know this guy is in her dreams and then becomes reality, which I thought was very good. No one seems to die in Stranger Things of the main lot. We've had lots of side characters. Do you know what? They could have killed a Will or a Nancy off this year or in season three because they got a lot of. I think around. there is one coming. I think I saw yeah. something that may have been spoiled for me. Okay. When I clicked on something on but Twitter, that there's possibly enough, there's enough of them that they could mm. afford to kill a major character and make it a strong plot. I don't really want to see any of the major characters no. being killed. I don't Otherwise, want to see I'm worried that well, the only thing I'm slightly worried about is you've now got so many favourites that how are you going to get? Yeah. I mean, like, this is why they've got big long episodes, two and a half hour finale. Yeah. You know, well, uh, you've, got a, they, you've got you've got a huge ensemble cast here now. They certainly suggested in the episode that I've just finished that one of the characters is certainly in danger of something yeah. happening to them through this. And I know they kill people. I'm not trying to, yeah. you know. I, I remember the the woman who got killed in the very first series. You know, can't remember her name though. Can you, Bob? Bob. Bob. I was justice for Bob. Bob. Because it's a horror show, you've got to kill people. But episode one, we've killed off a character we've only just met. They did try, didn't they? Like every so often, you would see her and, like, you know, see her going into the therapist office, see her crying. A grandfather clock in the woods will never not be scary. That's something. Else. Oh my word! That that was good. That was good. I I still feel like this is the series that Netflix is built on. When I think of Netflix, I think of Stranger Things. Um, and I think it's it's their headline show. It's certainly in their sort of hall of fame, isn't it? I would yeah. say alongside things like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black and things like that. House of Cards is a remake. 
So I know. But it was still one of the first Netflix, like big Netflix originals, wasn't it? That was like. It's not, an, it's not an original. It's a remake of a British show. That's the yeah, thing. But, you know, I, I would say Stranger Things is definitely what you would say maybe on their Mount Rushmore at the moment of, yeah. of that. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's their top show, I'd say. Their top show. I, I mean, I, you've I got think... other shows, but come close, but I think Stranger Things mm. is the one that most people would come back and pay their subscription for just to be able to see. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a big gap, isn't it? I mean, they've this year is the last Stranger Things. We've had the end of Ozark. Better Call Saul, which I know isn't an original, Luke, is still one that a lot of people come to Netflix for, and that's finishing this yeah. year. So there is a lot that's sort of going from Netflix. And, and as well, we've I, talked about this year, there hasn't been a great deal of sort of good new stuff that, they, that they've that provided us. They, they, they've increased their content, but their quality hasn't mm. quite reached the same amount. No. I mean, everything we've talked about on Netflix this year, we've been very disappointed with, I think, you know. Uh, I think it was just one of those, like, lightning in the bottle things, almost, the success of this of this programme. I think it hit the right notes with a lot of people with the nostalgia elements. They do well in how they space out the scares and everything. And as you said, look at the beginning, getting you to invest and move on and, and everything like that. It's, and and it's that, that it's... addictive nature. It's made stars of those main five characters. It's mm. revitalised Winona Ryder's career. What will be interesting to see is what the directors and creators do next to me, because the they, they've had their head, the Duffers. Yeah, what are they going to focus on next? Because their life's work has gone into this, but they've decided to put it down at the right time, I feel. So it would be interesting to see what they're moving to next. Most of you will have probably watched Stranger Things by the time you listen to this, but it's, you know, we're very positive about it and it is all there. Or the first seven episodes are all there now with the with the last two to follow at the start of July. Now we are going over to Disney Plus now. It's another new Star Wars programme to sort of follow on from, I believe... They've done so far Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. Is that correct? Have been there too? They're, they're the two live action ones. Yeah, live action ones they've done so far. And now we've got uh, Obi Wan Kenobi with uh, Ewan McGregor reprising the role from the prequels. Suki, you're just going to sort of walk us through the basic building blocks of Obi Wan Kenobi. The episode starts with a six minute recap of what happened in the actual prequels, so you get to know how Obi Wan and Anakin how they interacted with each other and what actually happened at the end of the final film. And then this series opens with Order 66 being executed and all the younglings in the Jedi Temple being attacked. And ten years later, the Jedi are now being haunted by the Inquisitors. And they these Inquisitors actually start landing on Tatooine. Tatooine being the place where Ben has stashed Luke with Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. So Ben's now been living a very quiet life as a hermit in a cave and he's going to town to work and then occasionally he'll been, keep an eye on uh, where Luke stayed at uh, Owen's farm and he's spying on them. He's still having nightmares about what happened uh, with him and Anakin at the end of the year, uh, the final prequel. Nari, which is one of the younglings that escaped at the beginning, turns up and asking him for help to make sure, you know, I've turned over here, please help me, you're the master Jedi. He says no and sends him on his way. So just go back into town, stay out of the way. The Inquisitors appear the following day. They threaten Owen, but Owen doesn't give away Ben's position. Uh, we then go over to Alderaan, and this is a surprise bit of the whole thing. Nothing in the trailers about Alderaan and Princess Leia. Ten-year-old Princess yeah. Leia, she's wonderful. This young actress 
is playing Princess Leia how I imagined Princess Leia would be as a child. And this is like a little rebellious little child where she's running away to play in the woods with her pet droid, Lola. She's great. She gets a telling off by her parents. And straight after that, she runs off into the woods and where she's kidnapped by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I did not know. <laughs> right? The actor, he's an actor. I, I, I was like, I know that face. The character he played reminded me a bit of Michael. Is it Michael Rooker's character in in the Guardians films? Yeah, very oh, similar yeah, to that. Yeah. He's got a, quite a similar face as well as Flea. So, I, but I, it took me a while. I, I got it on the second episode who it was. I worked it out. Flea has uh, kidnapped this child because it's a plan by one of the Inquisitors. This ambitious uh, Inquisitor called Reva, who's also called the Third Sister. Her plan was to kidnap the child because she knows Bail Organa used to work with Obi-Wan Kenobi back in the day. And this will be a way to lure him out because she's fed up with chasing all these, mm. she thinks, low-life Jedi. She just wants a big fish. And the, the biggest fish of all was Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's never been caught. So she thinks this plan will get Obi-Wan Kenobi to come out and try and track down Leia. Uh, after this, Ben goes into town and sees Nari, the youngling. The one that uh, is been actually been killed after he told him to go into town, and he's there on the uh, the city archway. He's been hung up. Uh, so straight after that, Bail Organa turns up in his cave asking for help, which uh, Obi Wan refuses. But then he says, "I'm too old for this. I don't want to do it." But then a bit later on, he must have thought about it and decided, "I've just seen Nari being strung up like this. I'm going to actually do something." So he goes into the desert, digs up. Uh, his old lightsaber and Anakin's lightsaber. At the end of the episode, you see him walk onto a transporter with a lightsaber strapped to his belt, and that's the way it ends the episode. So what do you guys think? I didn't feel like I really got a lot out of the first episode, very much like a prologue for me. Like, here's where everyone is almost, isn't it? And before we get onto our action in, in the second episode, and I think I found a lot more out of that second episode. There was a bit more... Levity, they introduced the character played by um, Kajal, Kamel Nanjani, yeah, playing like this sort of con artist, street magician who pretends to be a Jedi and has magnets up his arms. And, and I, I, I always like those sort of characters. I think they add a little bit more to things. I think before that, maybe it was a little bit more po-faced. It felt a lot like a Western as well, like as you're describing it, Suki, you know, the retired gunslinger mm. having to pick up his gun to go to battle once again i'm gonna i was gonna ask you as well because I'm, I'm guessing you're both big sort of star wars fans um yeah this story that they're telling obviously of him rescuing leia and go you know going on the run with her is this something is this like revisionist history no it, it's it's not revisionist history it's just never been explained it's never it's never been in any of the comic books no. or the or the lore or the legend I, I, it. yeah it's new but it's understandable there are mm. several things. One of the things that all the Star Wars live action episodes are very good at is planting Easter eggs and ideas and referencing things. So, for instance, the toy that uh, Ben Kenobi buys from the Jawa appears in episode four. That's something that Luke is playing with uh, in A New Hope. So by planting that and by putting in the story of Leia, yes, it's not canon. It's reasonable. The thing is, The Mandalorian and Boba Fett both have also been compared to uh, Westerns. Boba Fett's been more compared to a gangster uh, movie mm. because of the way they set it up with the families and, you know, the huts and stuff like that. But certainly The Mandalorian was very much compared to an old Western. That perhaps this first episode doesn't quite have the action sequences 
or what you're used to. But I remember starting episode one of The Mandalorian and thinking, the guy doesn't talk. What is this about? It takes a while to get into the characters and get into the way of it. For me, this goes back to the good versus evil story of Star Wars. The fact that evil will always undo itself, which is what you think about when you think of the weight of the Empire. You know, they will always get too ambitious and that good will out itself. And that's the main talk that the, the lead, invis- is it what are they called? The Invisigators, what are they the called? Inquisitors. Inquisitors, thank you. <laughs> uh, the, the, you were going to say Invisigators, that's oh, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> exam Uh, but he does this speech where he talks about the fact that Obi-Wan Kenobi will not hide forever he can't stay quiet he can't stop helping people the good in them will will bring them out and I think that's what you will see over these six episodes I think it is where Obi-Wan can't hide he's managed it for 10 years though Uh, as a Jedi he's supposed to act Uh, and so he's seen this person right at the beginning of this meat factory that he's working at who's been pushed right. away and basically uh, he could have just helped him and just says, look, that's wrong. I'm a Jedi. I'll sort you out. Like Nari did it in the saloon. Nari, as a Jedi, is there helping people, even though he shouldn't really. He should be going under the radar and staying out of sight. Obi-Wan has realised the bigger picture. He, he can't help people because he will mm-hmm. then get caught, it will, which will then possibly lead to Luke being discovered. Right, so he can't, he's looking at the bigger picture. So this this is uh, poor Ben's Ben's dilemma. Right. I think I think episode two had a bit more action in it. Yeah, and, and I think I think if there's more of like this, there's, there's some good chase scenes, and you know, and I do get the feeling like this is more like a sort of like a Star Wars fugitive type situation. Mm. You know, that it is going to be more of that bounty hunter style of stuff that you you got from Star Wars. And and the big thing about episode two is the realization. For, for Obi-Wan, that Anakin is still alive. Mm. That up until that, he was under the impression that, that he died. And it's a big thing that he gets that realisation when he's told that Anakin lives. There's a few things in this fans have discussed in the past as to why he doesn't know certain things. I mean, he's been even though he's been living as a hermit for 20-odd years by the time the new hope comes around, surely he would have known whoever Palpatine's second-hand right hand man is right would be well you get you get the impression that Tatooine is in the outer rim it's out of the way of it the Mandalorian and Boba Fett stuff is after Return of the Jedi that's when there is that trade area I do think they need and I think you're right they need to could have done a better job of establishing how isolated Tatooine is from the news of the of what's going on so that you're right it's gone 10 years and he still doesn't know that Darth Vader's a thing for me as someone who's possibly not as entrenched in the Star Wars lore and stuff like that and is you know I've seen all the Star Wars films haven't watched the Mandalorian haven't watched the book of Boba Fett I think for me this came alive in the second episode as Gary was saying the action set piece with Leia and Kenobi and, and the third sister I felt you know the the sort of parkour that they were doing throughout yeah throughout the city there and and i thought that as i say the comedy bits enjoyed that a lot more i thought the um the performances as you said the actress's name is vivian lyra blair who plays the young leah yeah. moses ingram as the third sister i thought was very good very strong and and ewan obviously is a, is a brilliant <sighs> actor and it's just not it's just nice to see him not flog me holidays for once 
What, what, what was that sigh for, Gary? There. I don't, I don't know because I don't think he's. I don't know. I still feel like he's chewing the scenes a bit. You have to do yeah. that a little bit in this. It's not like you know. I, I think the hard thing is, and, and again, this is something that those that are in Star, those that are into Star Wars, are like. You're telling me that this guy in twenty years becomes Alec Guinness, and, I, and he's Alec Guinness's age, and it, they are trying. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They just can't age Ewan McGregor too much. He's not old. Mm. I mean, like, he just yukes the youthful, even with a beard. He just look, and I don't, I'm aware that two of us on this podcast have beards. So, you know, I'm not being beard separatist. Uh, so, but I just think that that's the only thing. I possibly, probably might have thought about recasting Ewan McGregor in an ideal <laughs> that is what they call a hot take, I believe. That is exactly That's what they are. <laughs> Drop the mic. That was my hot take. <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, it goes without saying that this, you know, the production design in this is fantastic. You, you do feel like you are in that world, and you can't help being nostalgic when you hear sort of bursts of the John Williams score as well. He, he came back just... just to do work on this. He hasn't worked on The Mandalorian or Boba Fett. No, I mean, John he's Williams done bits. That, I mean, the, yeah. the main composer um, I was reading, Natalie Holt, who's the first uh, woman to score a la- live-action Star Wars project, um, has done the new music. But every t- every time you hear Williams's music, it just gives you that like little chill. He for me, the, anyway. He does the layer theme, apparently, which I don't know mm. if I don't, I, don't, I don't actually remember it myself. I, I agree with everything you said about the character, the actress who plays Leia. Yeah. An absolute nod to Carrie Fisher and the way that she portrayed Leia, down to the body language, down to the words. Brilliant. The Western theme that you're going on about, I think for this second episode, was True Grit, where yeah. John Wayne is with a young child. Good shout. Not my shout, I did read about it somewhere. But yeah, yeah True Grit was the one that stands out for that one. There's uh, True Grit, there's The Searchers, Unforgiven, a little bit of all of those, you know, these yeah. sort of... Well, you had to one-upmanship there, didn't you, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, a, can... it's a combination, it's a Western trope, isn't it? I, I've hung up my gun, but I'm going back because I've got a personal connection to to this mission, almost. That's, that is it, that... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, you're into Matt's mastermind specialist subject of films. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you, you can't catch him out. The way in which Disney Plus are doing this is you get two episodes to start and then you get another episode next Friday. Do you feel like Wednesday. that is a... Or is it Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday? I'm going to put my hand up then. <laughs> Do you feel that is a better way of doing it? Further to your comments earlier about Stranger Things. Yes, I do. I think this is going to be five, six weeks worth of publicity for the show people will be watching it every week for five or six weeks and you will then have a 
so much more uh, publicity for that show mm. and for a uh, then that'll also go onto your channel as well and so you'll be getting all yeah. this extra customers coming back now if you did it with a binge show some people have already watched it in one day if you go on youtube what's great is that you get content creators who will do the top 10 things you missed in series episode one episode two all i've seen for stranger things is people unpacking the finale already Mm. Uh, they've already gone to the end of episode seven and gone let's unpack that and i'm like well i can't watch that video because i've not seen all seven episodes yeah, yeah. but i could but, follow along each week with 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 obi-wan and then i can go and watch the relevant youtube videos or download that podcast this is where i absolutely agree i do think maybe netflix have missed the boat a little bit in having people draw into people with stranger things they're not allowing people to breathe the rest of the streaming services have learned from that because Disney Plus does it sometimes different ways, certainly over here because we get um, the stuff from FX and Hulu. All the Disney Plus originals, though, do follow that format, a couple of episodes and then one a week. Apple TV Plus are following a similar format. They're doing two or three to start and then weekly. Amazon now have started on some of their shows to do weekly. I'm assuming, like, for example, the Lord of the Rings show, when that comes on, that was going to be weekly. You know, Netflix have established their thing where we are going to put this all on at once. And in a way, you know, me and Luke talk about it's the brand of Netflix. Let's pick a series for this weekend to watch all in one go. A lot of people will do that on a Friday night, select their series for the weekend and and watch all of that together. Whereas the other streaming services now have learnt that actually we can have this retention if we do the episode a week. And interestingly, linear channels now, like a BBC, are doing it the other way around and on iPlayer putting all the episodes on at once. So it's really interesting to see the way around people are doing things now. BBC have the best of both worlds. They do have an iPlayer, plus they have a linear channel. Mm, right? So yeah. they can go around putting the whole box set straight on and then just uh, add the weekly showings of each. Again, from what you're saying, like you can't have that weekly discussion Gary, you mentioned The Tourist, for example, and I think that would have got a lot more weekly traction had it been on weekly mm. and not all gone on the iPlayer, because it was one of those shows that had the the cliffhanger at the end of every episode and had a sort of central mystery. But because people binge through it, and I'm guilty of that myself because I really enjoyed it, mm. it lost that conversation that it would have had. And I think the stream is certainly learning that, that you can get a lot more if you hold your horses a little bit and be patient and and certainly with these you know these big brands the star wars and the marvel people are going to want to talk about it have their theories i'm not sort of a marvel fan but i know every so often they'll introduce a character from another show film and there'll be that talk for a week or what are they doing here sort of thing but i i do think it is a discussion that we are having that almost the return to weekly after so much of here's the whole series here you go fill your boots sort of thing the the perfect one that i remember and this is to me what was the first time where they where a TV channel used this in the right way was the second series of 24 was on bbc2 on a saturday night and then you or sunday night i think it was but if you had bbc3 and not everybody did in those days <laughs> not everybody okay did, grandpa <laughs> You had to have a free view box or whatever. If you had that, you could go over and watch the next episode on BBC Three straight after. And, and it, it had a discussion and, show and, as well. Yeah, and the discussion show. So like, and I, I tell you what, every Sunday night, whether I'd watched it last week, I still watched the previous episode on BBC Two again, so that I could then watch the next one. 
it was perfect because it drew you in every week. And I think that to me is that premise that people have used, knowing that television can become this water cooler moment, this moment that you talk yeah. about the next day in the office, the broad church theory, you know, the line of duty theory that you go in the next day, you're brimming to talk about what happened that night before. And I think Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi has it over Stranger Things at this point. We'll stay on Disney Plus and yep. we move to a program that is all being put on all at once. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> that's because it's an FX show. Not a, and it's not an a, FX not, show yeah. and it is Pistol. It is about, as you imagine, the Sex Pistols. It's brought to us by Danny Boyle. Gary ha- had at time watched three, is that right? That's right. I've watched yeah. three uh, and I'm going to stop because they're all coming out on Tuesday. So yeah. uh, as you quite rightly say, this so, is based um, yeah. on the books or the notes by Steve Jones, uh, who was in the band and is played in this episode by Toby Wallace, who was previously in Neighbours. It's written by uh, a guy called Craig Pierce, who previously written on a lot of Baz Luhrmann films like Moulin Rouge and Strictly Ballroom. And as you say, directed by Trainspotting's Danny Boyle. Episode one is called The Cloak of Invisibility. And this is a method that Steve Jones, as a child, used to use his cloak of invisibility in order to blend into the background while he was either stealing stuff or trying to avoid his abusive stepfather, um, who we learned throughout the episode really did abuse him in a very terrible way. We also got the cream of 1970s punk people uh, played here. You get um, Malcolm McLaren, who obviously is the manager and puts together the Sex Pistols and names them. The Sex Pistol, played brilliantly by Thomas Brody Sangster, who still looks about 12, uh, like he does in most things he's in. Uh, the boy can't age. He's still got the Love Actually look, hasn't he? He, can't, say, yeah, he can't really get rid he's of He's got it. the baby face still. We also get um, Sidney Chandler's depiction of Chrissy Hind. It takes a while for you to work out because they never really tell you that it's her throughout the first episode, but I think they do start to reference it. You also get Tallulah Riley playing Vivian Westwood, who's partnering with Malcolm McLaren and together they've got this fashion boutique called Sex, which is where Steve Jones meets them all. He is basically like a sort of like a rogue teenager. He's in a band called the, uh, what were they called? They were called the Swankers. The Swankers. Swankers. Thank goodness they didn't (laughs) stick with that. In one of the opening scenes, you still see him nicking audio equipment following a very famous David Bowie gig at the Odeon, where he actually claims that you can still see Bowie's lipstick on the microphone. Um, And he uses that in trying to impress various people, including Chrissy Hind. He meets Malcolm McLaren. They're not a band yet. Uh, Steve really can't sing. And in fact, during his very first live gig, he he runs out. He can't can't handle it. And and basically this first episode is, is like a sort of like how they all came together. So the original band has got. Steve Jones, uh, one of the guys called Wally, the guitarist, they sack because they can't have someone in a band who wears glasses um, or called Wally. Uh, and you've also got two of the other existing Sex Pistols band members. Um, what's interesting is in the first episode, you don't get uh, Johnny Rotten. He only arrives in, in later episodes. Episode two, isn't it, Johnny episode Rotten? Episode two, yeah. And you don't get Sid Vicious as well yet. You know, this is very much the, the, the forming of the Sex Pistols and their very early gigs, which were in like prisons and, uh, you know, other places. So, uh, you know, what's what's great about this episode is that if you are a fan of music of this genre, of this genre, 
you see all the things that influenced the band to get together, the counterculture, the, the fact that Malcolm McLaren wasn't trying to put together the greatest musicians, he was trying to put together an army of angry young people that would take over the world. I absolutely love this, and I'm fairly sure that Luke and Matt are probably surprised by that because there's swearing, there's sex, there's, there's all the drug references that are not my kind of thing normally. But I just found it absolutely engrossing because it's telling a great story, and a lot of it is real life. I've never read the Steve Jones autobiographies. I don't know how much of it is true, but he certainly drew me into his story very, very quickly. My history with the Sex Pistols is non-existent. <laughs> when I was a kid, they were there, but I wasn't that interested in them. So coming to this story, brand new. So this first episode, it was just a bit of a shock in the way this is all filmed because you'd have clips from whatever the 70s interspersed with the live action uh, mm. retelling of what's happening. And it was just a bit jarring. I was thinking, what's going on here? What, am I supposed to take notice of the Queen meeting somebody? They are Barbara Windsor, the Harry, carry on camping. Yeah, carry on yeah. And it seemed a bit jarring and I, I wasn't getting into it. But then when you get, you watch how Steve Jones is retelling his story, the way he's being abused by his dad when he was a kid and the way he grows up, you get sort of sucked in. Mm. And by the end of the episode, I can, under, I can understand his motivations for walking out because... He's there, his cloak of visibility, he's not hiding him. He's actually on stage and he can't hide and he's got to perform. And he has to walk away because he can't do it. And I can understand it. So it has sucked me in. Whether I'll actually I want to watch the way Danny Boyle has actually filmed it, I'm not sure if I can stomach the way he's actually filmed it. It's too flashy. There's too many mm. images being shown at me. That, that okay. doesn't carry on for the second and third episode. That is very much just the feature of the first episode. And I think you're right. It's to set the scene of where we are historically, what's going on in the world, what the influences are. Episodes two and three don't have so much of that. You know, I obviously didn't do as much research as you, Gary, because I, I did not know that the writer worked with Basil Luhrmann. This is very much his style of interspersing the quick edits. The scenes where it's very anachronistic with the the scene you're seeing with the music that's being played in the background so mm. you know you've got um big spender being used at one point you don't expect that music to be played over that scene i think i felt sort of similar to sucky that it was a little bit jarring i know of the sex pistols as johnny rotten and, and Sid vicious are the two names that you know yeah. so when you're following steve jones don't really know him as a character and it's it's good to see this and see as you you both mentioned this childhood trauma this you know it's ptsd mm. again that's coming out and coming to the fore and he is a sympathetic character and i think it takes a while for you to get that you know there's this whole motif with trains as well and his childhood there yeah. and everything coming together well, these well, quick edits these these scenes and and that is again it feels very Baz Luhrmann and danny boyle as well you know there's bits of both of their work coming together that style isn't for everyone you know i watched a little bit of episode two 
where we got Johnny Rotten and actually the actor who played him, I felt was excellent. Oh, no, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. No, abs- absolutely. The only thing I was going to say, well, of course you've got stuff about trains. It's Danny Boyle, train spot. <laughs> uh, so you, you didn't let me come in on that joke. That's no, fair enough. Uh, I, I, I see you agree. And I do think I would encourage people to watch episode two because the things that you've both mentioned that put you off episode one on in episode two they start to focus on the building of the band and what was great i mean and i link this to rocket man and bohemian rhapsody these are biopics of Mm. interesting people from that era of music you know elton was drugs and rock and roll and so was queen and you're getting the building blocks of a band which a lot of people say was more influential than musically talented and what's interesting is actually Steve Jones is considered one of the more musical ones. But when you watch this episode, he's given a guitar to play. And the only reason he's in the band is because he was the one that created it. And is a look. He's not actually musically any good. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. According to even Malcolm McLaren, he says, you know, you can't play for Toffee and you can't sing, but you're, the band is yours i want you in the band that it's about how that band progresses obviously they're going to end up with the sid vicious and uh, nancy spongen story so they are going to work through you know the whole of the very short lifespan of the sex pistols as a band one album i think we're up to a queen's jubilee next week when we're recording and of course that was around that time of the 25th anniversary um around 77 around that time as well so i'm fairly sure we're going to cover that and the controversy of God Save the Queen as a single and the furore that it captured. And of course, that great interview on the BBC where the Sex Pistols swore on television for the first time. You know, so there's so much rich stuff that we're going to cover throughout these next couple of episodes. I've got a friend of mine who's absolutely in love with the Sex Pistols. He just he just loves the music. But when I told him that I'm going to be reviewing this for the podcast... He was so jealous. He just, <laughs> yeah. he just want. I want. I want to. Come I, I, will, your car. I will hoover the rest of these episodes up when they're out on Tuesday. Uh, for me as well, some of the dialogue I found a little bit clunky. There was the scene where um, Chrissy Hind and, and Steve Jones were discussing specifically seeing David Bowie and her descriptions of it and his sort of interactions with her. They didn't sound like normal people speaking. I just found it a bit no, like, there, you know, is, people yeah. don't have conversations like this. That was one of the 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 bits, you know, Luke certainly would would ha- hate that because he's got a real tin ear for, for that yeah. sort of dialogue. The, the other thing that this is really the, sort of the promotion around this is uh, Maisie Williams being in it as well. <laughs> and, uh, she makes an entrance. You know, a, a different look for her. You know, she's sort of bleached blonde, no, the, no eyebrows. And she comes in episode two. And Gary, your your impression of that character was? Yeah, I thought I'd seen enough of Maisie Williams in the last series of uh, Game of Thrones. But clearly there was more to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very old man of you. You were very uncomfortable with that Game of Thrones scene because oh. again we were we were um, we discussed that didn't we? That's yeah, when we went I, through that, 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 each episode. That. 
that no. didn't do anything for the series. But not well. We, don't make me go back to the end of Game of Thrones. I'm still I'm still suffering. I'm still in therapy for that. But yeah. So this is gonna all be on Disney Plus by the time you hear this. They're putting it up on on Tuesday. And now the final thing we're going to be talking about is a show that will be airing on Thursday. It's The Midwich Cuckoos. If you do not want any spoilers about this, although it is based on a book and has been adapted into a film already, so. You know, everyone, I think, knows the basic beats of this. You know, look away now, come back to it when you've watched the episode to hear our opinion. This is uh, adapted from the 1957 novel by John Wyndham. was adapted previously into a film called, I believe, Village of the Damned. Have either of you seen that? Or Children of the Damned. I think there's two different, There's you get in America and a British version, I think. And, I mean, it's been very much parodied, you know, the, the idea of these creepy kids... And there's a Simpsons episode. Oh yeah! <laughs> They've tried to update it here. David Farr is the is the writer. He did Hannah, the, both the film and the TV series. I think what what they're trying to do here is spoof the thing about the Londoners coming to the suburbs to raise a family. We've got um, Zoe and Sam, the young couple. He's a teacher. He's come to teach at the local school. Midwich is is lauded as like the sixth best place in in the UK to raise children. There's another couple there who see the move in who've done a similar move. It's also looking a lot more at children's anxiety. You know, we've got a character played by Keely Hawes. He has a daughter, Cassie, who is very troubled. Uh, She's in her early 20s, but almost still acts like a child. So there's sort of a backstory there we don't really learn, but... Susanna goes out of Midwich to go on a date in London. While this happens, uh, Cassie goes to a party like a silent disco. There's a lot of other odd happenings in the town. The lights start to flicker, horses are braying, and then suddenly everyone collapses in, in like a massive mass sort of fit almost. The town gets cordoned off then. Susanna isn't able to get back in when she returns from her date. Suddenly everyone gets up again and there's like four different female characters, including Zoe and Cassie, who are doing that thing of, oh, I'm pregnant by feeling my belly acting. (laughs) (laughs) So we do get a, a, a very much a Luke special at the beginning where we see Zoe and Sam are trying to move away and they get yeah, the flash stopped by the creepy child. And I think that in a way is saying, we have got the creepy children. Don't worry, we haven't changed it that much. But we, you know, let us tell our story first, and we'll get there. Get back there eventually. I think in that flashback, fast forward, you've also got an, an, a military presence in the town as well as the other mm. things. I enjoyed this. weren't sure what I was going to expect because I've been burnt before on sky drama, which I thought had been usually a uh, bit bland and a bit boring. But this seemed to hold my attention. Uh, I like the performances of the main cast from like Max Beasley and Keely Hawes and the mystery elements of what was happening. I mean, I think the whole collapsing starts at about halfway through the story mm, yeah. uh, episode, I should say. So that's where the mystery suddenly kicks in. You think what's what's happening. And then because of all this military and police presence cog into the village, you just think what is going on? I mean, I knew about the story beforehand. I knew that it was all about all the women end up being pregnant and then having kids, and these kids have then got supernatural powers or super abilities of some sort uh, many years down the road. But the way this is all told this way, really enjoyed it. 
I will be watching the whole of this show, I think. Right. So is this going to be a binge watch or is it going to be like... I'm not sure, but I think it probably is all going to be on. So this is on Sky Max on Thursday. And that used to be Sky One, didn't it? I believe so. Yeah, <laughs> we think. And yeah, and probably all going to be on now. After I would imagine, because again, being niche, the Sky gave us all six episodes on previews, which normally would suggest that it is, is it all going to be episodes? off. Is it seven episodes? Seven episodes, perhaps. I can't remember, to be honest with you, but, you know, they they gave us most of the episodes. It would suggest to me that it is all going to go up on now. I felt that sucky when I'd finished watching it, that it feels like something that if there was Netflix next episode, you would click on that straight away, wouldn't you? Yeah. As soon as the episode finished and you got the women just holding their bellies. I mean, what, an hour after they've all woken up, all of a sudden they're all thinking that they're pregnant. I will be watching all these episodes. Mm. And, And I've been saying I'd rather not. Uh, if you want to build up an audience, you release it on a weekly basis. But this isn't sort of giving you cliffhangers where mm. you go, oh, I've got to come back next week. This is for like a gradual build up. And it's a story a lot of people are aware of already as well. I think, it, you know, it's not giving you a lot, you know, that you possibly don't already know unless they're taking it in a slightly different direction. Well, that, that perfectly encompasses my view. I've read this book probably 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and I have seen... Um, I don't remember a lot about it, but I have seen the adaptation. They've tried to update it. My only complaint, and I feel very similar to you two, that I will probably persevere. I do think it was a good retelling. I do think that they tried to pull at too many strands. There's a teenager tending horses and going to a party. There's a woman getting into a station collected by a brain man in a Range Rover who's having an affair with a politician there's a nosy neighbor and then you've got a pregnant woman there's just too many strands to follow they could have cut two or three of those characters and still got the same sort of end game storyline that they're looking for you've got some good characters and some good actresses particularly Keely Hawes I think is good in this but you're not going to be able to see enough of her because they've got to pull all these other little bits as well you've got to go back to all these different stories if it is a seven episode series They've got to be able to fill it out. And if they've only got a certain amount of characters, it's going to be padding all the way along. If they've got more characters, more storylines, maybe they can fill the story. But in a first episode where the job is to draw me in and make me invested, there was too many. I don't disagree that over the seven episodes, you need a lot of stories to tell. I just think for me, for a first episode where they're trying to grab me, I was confused by, well, who was that? And then... What was this? And there wasn't, and as you say, we don't know if Keely Hawes is a child psychologist because they never tell you. All you see is her in a room giving therapy to a child. So you're you're asked to put two and two together yourself. They could have easily got over that with some sort of storyline or even just, you know, they had the mother in the room. The mother didn't say anything. They could have said, oh, thank you for the therapy session for my daughter. Mm. And you would have known a bit more. I think there's only so much you can do with that hour, though. And I think they wanted to just sort of establish those relationships. Basically, what Suki was saying, you know, you you get more depth as you go on, but you need to Mm. sort of establish, for example, Max Beasley, who plays the police chief. His wife is pregnant. Her sister comes to visit. Something happens to the wife at the end. We won't give that away. Yeah. It is seven episodes, by the way, Suki. I have just checked, so there yeah. are seven. But you, you could have introduced the Max Beasley character in episode two, 
I just feel no, like... No, you couldn't have. You can't, you can't. Maybe, well, maybe, no, maybe, but oh, okay, maybe not him, but maybe I think you need some of these others. You, I think you needed at least a little bit of, yes. ev- of everyone. Like, for example, the, there's the woman, the mum, who has her daughter come to see Keely Hawes. We see her husband is having an affair, and then at the end we learn he's... He's running for as an MP. He's a politician, yeah. Yeah, so we get little bits of building blocks, and then we can build on that next time. Similar to the schoolmistress yeah. who who is doing like the night shift, who is one of the women that is pregnant. We get a little bit of her, but we can learn more about her next time. You know, the characters that they focus on are Max Beasley, who is the police presence in the town, Keely Hawes, who is linked to sort of mental health, child mental health, and she's got her own child with with difficulties and then yeah. the new couple max and zoe who are like the almost like the proxies introducing us to the rest of midwich because they are newcomers there and i think those are the right characters to focus on in this first episode and you get little bits of everyone else and we can then build on them as, as we go on and it makes it feel more like a fully formed world doesn't it as well like this this town has got all these these characters in rather than here are four people and we will meet everyone else as the series progresses. I mean, for me, I didn't mind it. It made me feel sort of uncomfortable and unsettled, which I think was the point. You know, by the end, I had that feeling of tension, which I think it was meant to have. I don't think it did anything wrong, but it never sort of grabbed me in a way. I never, nothing really has stuck with me. It was the first of these four shows that I watched. Keely Hawes, who is a brilliant actress, We'll watch her in every, anything. Interesting to see her in more sort of like a genre piece because it's mainly, you know, we see her mainly in things like, I mean, she was in It's a Sin is the last thing I remember her being in. She was also Finding Alice where, again, mm. someone falling down. The, we had a lot of falling down the stairs dramas last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't mind it. But whether I am going to continue with it, I did feel very much like Zucky that this is, one where you can imagine people sitting down and binging this over a weekend because it has got that what happens next factor to it. And I think it is a success in so much as, as you say, about Sky dramas can be hit and miss. They've done well here. I think people will gravitate towards this and it will find an audience. Uh, but just personally, I, it wasn't for me. And the other thing I would say is this is likable to the John Wyndham stuff. You know, he is very good at doing science fiction but very relatable in modern world you know mm-hmm. the triffids and things like that the triffids almost like sci-fi as horror which he does very well and and you know there's been lots of adaptations of his books and, and works over the years some good some bad and i think i think i will watch more i don't think i'll need to rush and binge it though no. I mean, maybe because i know the story a bit better yeah i feel like and... i'm happy to let it play out over six or seven weeks but I think they've done well in the sort of the way they've updated it as well. And the sort of yeah. this aspirational lifestyle that the, the young couple are going towards, mm. like live in the countryside, 2.4 children, a decent job at the local school, get away from the hustle and bustle of London. You know, mm. you are still on the doorstep of London. You know, we see Keely Hawes going there on like the two horse train station in Midwich so it's it's one of those places that is very sort of a desirable place to live mm. but then you've got this horrific element coming so I think the the update works in terms of yeah. the story and, the, and what we think of these places today as compared to you know 65 years ago when the when the book was written. I mean I live in what is commonly known as a, a, a London commuter village 
you know, it is somewhere where people move out because it's an easy commute in the local station up to London. It is full of a mixture of locals that have lived here all their life and people like me who've moved out from London into the sticks. Have a couple of kids. Have a couple of kids and, you know, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then bring them up as supernatural characters. It's a story. <laughs> wow. Uh, I didn't no, realise an autobiography. I am John Wooden. Um, yeah. Anything else to add on this one? Yeah, there was one gripe I wanted to bring up, which is the helicopter scene. Now, obviously, you know, there's a circumference around the village where yeah. this force is actually taking effect. Was are you going to fall asleep? Now, obviously, you must go above the village as well. right? So why didn't these coppers or military, instead of sending an actual helicopter with people in there, send a drone? I don't think they I think thing. at that point though Suki they didn't know did they they didn't know why they'd all fallen down they did yeah. they didn't know what it was so they didn't know in sending that well, helicopter all, all, they, all they knew at that point was all the the power out because mm. there was a power fluctuation mm. then there was a power outage mm. and, and and stuff so I think yeah you, you're overthinking but, it but they did know because they were they were pushing somebody in to collect a body he drops and they pull him back out, and then they start marking mm. the area as to where he's going to be. And I suppose right? the same thing happened to Keeley Hawes, didn't it, when yeah. she went too far in? So they did know where yeah. all this force field was actually being coming into place, where they were all marked out. Obviously, it was going to be in a bubble-like thing. So surely, why send them? But may- maybe they thought they would be protected within the helicopter. But I don't know. Anyway, do, I don't do know. We, I'm sticking yeah. up for this. Do we know? If David, do we know if David Farr is on Twitter? Can we approach him about these things? You know, is John Wyndham still alive? Is there a, the is there a way, way we can do it? With it, this? it was a cool visual, wasn't it? Let's be honest. That's what they wanted. They wanted that visual. It was the only action bit of the whole. So that wasn't it. Thursday night on Sky Max. I will just say quickly that you can find us, the Custard TV podcast, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts on Stitcher, on thecustardtv.com. Rate, review, subscribe. On the website at the moment, Luke has been very busy. He has written an article about Better Call Saul. And don't, of... don't make it sound like he's busy. He's got nothing else to do. And, he just and... did it in one article. Come on. Okay. No, no, you have to let me finish. And one about Barry. Two articles, Gary, two. Yeah, but he, but it's, right, about sure. show, it's about shows he likes. So, I mean, it's not what, work, Barry? is it? Yeah, it's not work, is it? It's just things he likes to watch. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and you can, if you'd like to write for the website, there is a um, contact us at the top there as well. Just put a little ad out for for the uh, for the website, which is also at Luke Custer TV. I am at Matt's TV Bites, and we'll just do Twitters again. Mine is at The Gary Show. And by the way, if you want to come write, I believe Luke plays in Bitcoin these days. Um, so there you are. <laughs> Uh, I hope I hope that's still right. I hope I haven't ruined anything. I'm at uh, Cyberman underscore one five one, and you'll see all the links to my various podcasts in the uh, the profile at the top. Thank you very much, guys, for joining us, and we will speak to you next week when we will be talking about the new series of Borgen. I believe it's called We Own This City or We Run This City, which is the new. David Simon drama, Gary, which is yeah, coming I to know. the sky. I know. You had me on on the wrong week. <laughs> terrible. We can't have you on there. Well, we can have you on every week. Um, but, You've enjoyed this. I'm, I'm busy with the Jubilee. The Queen's got me involved in a few things. Oh, so okay. I can't, I, I'm not around, I'm afraid. Performing on the cast of um, Les That's Miserables it. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> we will bid you adieu. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> 
rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.